0: Father, we do continue to welcome all that you want to do in this place, And, um, and we welcome your kingdom now. Jesus, you taught your disciples to pray, your kingdom come here on earth as it is in heaven, so in this place, in this room right now, we say yes, Lord, to that we say your kingdom come in this room we welcome freedom in this room we welcome your life in this room we welcome healing in this room we welcome joy in this room we welcome peace in this room we welcome steadfast love lord where um Where we struggle to hear you, I pray right now, Lord, you'd help us just take off the earmuffs. We want to hear your whispers. Where we struggle to connect with you, I pray, uh, Lord, that we would know and experience your embrace right now. There's nothing better than you, Lord. It's you that we desire. To you, our hearts are open. Nothing here is hidden. You are our one desire. I want to share with you this morning um, just a few reflections. I've been thinking about... um, kind of what to share with you guys. There's not many, I haven't got many sermons left before uh, we go, um, but uh, one of the things that I wanted to share with you today is about intimacy and uh, that building that deep friendship with God, connecting with God. Some of you were here on Wednesday night when we showed the Shack movie. I love that movie because it, it brings something of how God is so relational and he wants to connect with us. He wants to, um, to bring a deep relationship with us. Um, it, by the way, if you couldn't make it or you'd like to borrow the DVD, just let us know. We can um, lend you it uh, if you want to watch it in your communities or in your homes. Um, it's, just, it's just really good to recognize that uh, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are love through and through, and they come to meet us in that love. And they know that we need awakening in love. They know that um, we've got all kinds of struggles and difficulties in life but they come to meet us because it's who they are. I want to talk about intimacy this morning and how we do that, how we connect. Um, Somebody once said that intimacy is like into me see, um, allowing God to see deep into our hearts and him allowing us to see deep into his heart. Um, It's about that deep connection. Um, And I just want to, I want to, Look at a number of different scriptures today. So um, there's a couple that we'll put up on the screen, but um, I'm going to jump around all over the Bible because honestly, this week I was kind of like, Jesus, um, really? Are you really intimate? Show me where. And I tell you, this was about 20 minutes of non stop download. What about this? 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 I dare you ask him that. I dare you ask him, how are you intimate? So I'm just giving you a a little snapshot of some of that stuff that started to come to me. Intimacy is what we're made for right in the beginning when God made people, when he made Adam and Eve, when he molded them and shaped them with clay and breathed his breath into their nostrils and they came alive. When he said, I've made you in my image, male and female, made you like me to relate to me. That is, it was built into us right at the beginning. Yeah? Two people I can see nodding. It's good. <laughs> Psalm 139 says, you knit me together in my mother's womb. Every single one of you in this room are different. Every single one of you. The father smiled as he knit you together in your mother's womb, carefully crafting you before your body was ever seen by this world. He saw you. He believed in you. He had dreams over you. He had plans and purposes for you. And there were plans and purposes for us to be connected with him, to know that real life flowing from him. Psalm 139 also says there's nowhere that we can go on earth where he isn't there. I could go to the farthest sides of the ocean, I could go to the deepest depth. He's still there. You can't go anywhere where he isn't there. You can't shut him out of your bedroom. Tough luck. He is there. So rather than wondering, is God there? Let's start believing that he is there. Yeah? Because he is. There is no way you can go where he's not there. He's constantly attentive. He's constantly there. Psalm 23 talks about this journey in life. We often, you know, use it in funerals. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. There's nothing that he doesn't know about for your life. There's no high or no low that you walk in, that he's not there with you as a shepherd who cares for you, who wants to lead you into all that you really need, into all that you deeply desire, into all that you're created and crafted for. And even though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, he's gone ahead through death, out the other side, triumphant to say, there is no place that I want you to be afraid because I'm with you. I'm always with you. Psalm 23 is that journey. You can look at the whole of the Psalms. It begins with David kind of going, I'm not going to sit in the way of sinners or in those who are scoffing at you, God. I'm going to sit with the righteous. I'm going to be with them. I'm going to My heart in God. And that's my key question this morning. What are we delighting our hearts in? Where is our delight? Where is our desire? Is he really our deepest desire? And honestly, I can say to you, if he isn't your real deepest desire, it's because you don't know him yet. Because if you really knew him, you would not be able To hold back the delight and the joy in your heart at how beautiful and amazing and glorious and loving and faithful he is. Your heart would (laughs) melt in the midst of that level of incredible love that's flowing towards you. The end of the Psalms, David finishes just saying, I'm praising you here, God. I'm praising you here, God. I'm praising you here, God. I'm praising everywhere. Let everything, everywhere praise the Lord. Because he's everywhere. It's who he is. He's amazing. Intimacy is God's plan and purpose. It's what you're made for. It's his plan and it's his purpose. Let's take a look. Open your Bibles to Peter. To Peter and chapter 1. I'm going to begin reading at verse 2. Grace. And peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. There's something about knowing. That knowing is that intimacy. That knowing is coming to understand who he is. And, and everything flows from that. Notice here, grace and peace be yours in abundance through knowledge. You're coming into this place of intimacy, into this place of knowledge, of knowing, of deeply knowing who he is, of intentionally getting to know him. Not to know about him, but to know him. Listen to this. His divine power has given us some of the things we need for life. Oh, sorry, no. His divine power has given us Everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. It just, it's so deep, isn't it? It's so deep, glory and the goodness and knowing him. Keep going, we're not there yet. Through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises, so that through them you may participate. The word there in the Greek is fellowship. Connect deeply, connect deeply in the divine nature. Whoa! This is what he's wanting for us. He's inviting us into this very place of connection with him. That we may connect and fellowship, engage really deeply in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. We're designed to know him. Turn to John chapter 17. Jesus says, verse 3, now this is eternal life. Do you want to know what life's all about? This is eternal life. This is what life's all about. That they may know you, the only true God. Again, it's this word. Deep knowledge, connection, intimacy. In fact, this word is used in a Jewish context for sexual intimacy. In a marriage, it is as deep as you can get, that they may know you very deep and intimate. The only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Scroll down to um, verse 20, same chapter. Jesus is praying here for his disciples. And then he turns to pray for you sat in this room right now. That's the context here. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. In other words, that's us. That all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. Again, it's depth of intimacy. You don't get closer than that. Totally connected. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you've sent me. There's that invitation into a depth of connection where we're participating and fellowshipping and and it's, it's mysterious. I can't put it into words. It's much deeper than my words could ever say. But there is a depth of connection and participation in Jesus and in the Father and in the Holy Spirit that you are made for and that you're invited into. And that is your purpose. That is what you're here for. And actually, as it happens, look what it says here. That the world may believe that you've sent me. See, as this starts to happen in us, as we connect with God really deeply in this really deep friendship and connection, the world starts to believe. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. The glory is his nature, his characteristics, who he is. Let's keep going. I in them, you in me. May they be brought to complete unity to let the world know that you sent me and have loved them even as you've loved me. Who thinks God loves Jesus? Who thinks God loves you the same level as he loves Jesus? Tells you, doesn't it? Really? He does. He gave up his life so you can live. He loves you the same as he loved Jesus. Father, I want those you've given me to be with me where I am. Again, it's this invitation into connection and to see my glory. Because if we really see him, we can't help but fully delight in him. The glory you've given me because you love me before the creation of the world. Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you and they know that you have sent me. Keep going, Rachel. I'm reading it off the screen. I have made you known to them. See, that's Jesus' heart. Jesus came to show the Father and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. Pretty good, isn't it? Is anybody happy? We're built for this, folks. This is what we're built for. This is what it's all about. Mm -hmm. Jesus lived this life, okay? He lived a life of intimacy. He said himself, I only do what I see the father doing. You see, what he'd done is he'd said, not my way, father, but your way. Show me what you're doing, father. He was so intimately engaged with the father that he knew what the father was engaged in all the time. It happened Right from the beginning. You know, as he started ministry, he was baptized. He was led to the River Jordan. He was baptized. And it says this voice comes from heaven saying, you are my beloved son. With you, I'm well pleased. And the Holy Spirit descends visibly upon Jesus. Jesus was established in this place of being beloved, of being held in this place of love. It's who he was. Everywhere he went, and it happened later on on the Mount of Transfiguration, the same deal, this incredible revelation, suddenly the the disciples who were there saw man alive, Jesus blazing in glory. They saw him for the first time, and then they hear this voice saying, this is my son. Listen to him. We do well to do that. Listen to him. He's led by the Holy Spirit into the desert. Don't go into the desert unless you're led by the Holy Spirit. Some people do that. Oh, I'm having a really rubbish time. I feel like I'm in the desert. Well, get out. Yeah? Pull yourself together and get out. Unless the Holy Spirit led you in there, in which case, wait until he's done everything he needs to do in you. Yeah? For goodness sake, don't spend your life in the desert unless you've been led there, okay? But because the Holy Spirit led him in there, why? For the deepest possible connection in that place. Because the devil came to test him. The devil came to say, if you're the son of God. Jesus knew who he was because he was the son of God. He was not interested in what this world had to offer. The Bible's very clear about that. Don't love the things of this world. Because if you do, the love of the Father is not in you. Because there is a trap in this world where we're drawn into things, into people, into approval, into systems, into all these things that basically are false And there is a much deeper way to live, which is to renounce the things of this world and to turn to God and say, God, will you meet my need? Will you be the one I connect to? Will you be the one who establishes me? Will you be the one who speaks the word and I say yes? That's why he's saying, I don't want bread because I only live by every word that's spoken from the mouth of God. I don't want all the kingdoms of this world unless they're rightly given to me by laying down my life for everyone. I will do it my father's way. Jesus chose the father to be his deepest desire above everything else. He lived this life. Every miracle he did, every place he went to, when he was in difficult situations where they were trying to test him. He was tuned in all the time. Father, what are you saying in this situation? When the Pharisees were there with the woman caught in adultery and ready to throw stones at her, Jesus has incredible wisdom downloaded to him in which he says, well, you without sin, you cast the first stone and they all go away from the oldest to the youngest first. That's incredible wisdom that he caught from heaven. And then he releases the heartbeat of heaven to that woman. And he says, I don't condemn you. Live (coughs) in the culture of heaven. Don't, Don't live that sin stuff. Come and find afresh who your father is and live from that place. All the prophetic words he spoke. All the insight that he had. Every bit of healing that he did. He didn't do because he was the son of God. He did it because he became a human being. And was full of the Holy Spirit. John said of him, the Holy Spirit will remain on him. And that's what the Holy Spirit did. The Holy Spirit was with him all the time. He did the miracles he did because the Holy Spirit was in him. He did them because of dependence, not because of strength. And I think we get this wrong as charismatics so often. We're kind of thinking, We should be on this victorious plane. Honestly, sometimes God takes us through difficult things. Why? Because he's trying to capture our hearts afresh. He's trying to say, where is your delight? Where is your heart? And it's not that God causes these difficult things or brings down heartache on you the devil does that it's the devil who comes to steal kill and destroy but what God does in his amazing love is he takes those things and he uses them to hone us and to refine us and to take us deeper into God I want you above everything else and I'm not going to settle for less than you Give me, I don't want all the money in the world I don't want all the fame in the world I don't want to be the most successful at my job I want you I want you. You're more important than all those things. He's taking us to that place because he can meet the deep down desires in us. Jesus redeems us for intimacy. And through intimacy It's how he did it. I mean, that's what he did with the guys, wasn't it? He lived this culture of heaven. He lived how his father loved life. He lived that way and he met people in their need. And as he met them, he released that healing. He released that forgiveness. He brought those who were ostracized back into community. He gave them a home. He brought that that dead back to life. He released this everywhere he went. He coached his disciples. And they needed a bit of coaching, even through their failure. I, I love Peter because he's just so out there, isn't he? One minute he's saying, You're the Messiah, the Son of the Living God. And the next minute he's saying to him, You can't do that, Jesus. And Jesus has to say, Get behind me, Satan. It's coaching. James and John, as Jesus is going to the, to the cross, they have to go, they want to go through the Samaritan village. The Samaritans say, no, you're not coming through here. And James and John are like, flipping heck, call down fire. Come on, smite them like Elijah did. <laughs> fire. Jesus is like, what the heck, guys? Come on. Let's just go around. Because he's caught the heart of heaven. They hadn't yet, but he was training them. He was teaching them. He was helping them. He got down on his knees with a towel wrapped around his waist and a bowl of water, and he washed the muck off their feet. It's deep. Intimacy. To cleanse them. Do you remember the woman who was sinful who came into the Pharisee's house carrying a jar of alabaster oil? And it says there that she knelt down and wept and tears washed Jesus' feet and she took her hair and she dried his feet and she poured this oil all over his feet. And the Pharisee there is... Cross with Jesus, he's like, she's a sinner. How can you let her do that? Jesus is not afraid of intimacy. And he says, look how much she loves. She's been forgiven a lot. That's why she loves this much. You you didn't wash my hands or my head or anything like that. You haven't honored me, but she has. And it's because she loves a lot. And she loves a lot because she's been forgiven a lot. It's intimacy, and he's not afraid of us pouring out our intimacy. He's not afraid of us bringing that to him. He became one with us. We love Niria's little hiccups right now, don't we? He became one with us. He connected deeply with us. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 21 said that he who knew no sin became sin for us so that we could become the righteousness of God. He took all the muck, all the failings, all the brokenness, all the sickness, all the pain of the world into himself so that we could be freed up for rightness with God, for the depth of this intimacy, for that place of connection. He told stories about, I don't want you to be orphans anymore, not the kind of rebellious orphan that runs away and wastes everything, but then comes back. And the father won't even let him speak out, let, make me one of your hired men, because the father doesn't want him to be a hired man, he wants him to be a son. He will not let his kids be orphans, scrabbling about. He wants them fully in. He wants to throw the banqueting table open. He wants to cover up the sin with a robe of righteousness. He wants to give authority back to his kids. He wants them to stand in dignity and know who they are, that they are royal sons and daughters. This is who he is. He wants those who've developed this serving mentality and this religious mindset He wants them brought back in. He doesn't want them out in the field slaving away. He wants them at the banquet because he's a God like that who wants intimacy, who wants us near. I will not leave you as orphans, says Jesus. I will come to you. And that's what he does. He lays down his life so that we can be free of sin. He ascends into heaven, victorious forever, and then he pours out the promise of all of the generations, that the Holy Spirit of God can come and live inside of us. And why? Because we are as clean as Jesus. Because he gave himself for us. It's good, isn't it? Okay. So how do you do it? Let's just get practical for a minute. How do we do this? Intimacy. How do we do this connection? We're all different in here. And God loves that. And I could stand here and tell you how it works for me. But honestly, there's a way for you that he made you perfect for. <coughs> so w- what I would suggest is experiment. Try different things. Try and connect with God in different ways. For me, I love um, connecting Like in in very real ways. I love the fact that for me, um, I can feel the sense of the Holy Spirit at times. And this has gone in different phases for me. When I was a new Christian, I could feel a breath across my hands when God was present. Now I don't always feel that. Now I feel different stuff. He's new. He's exciting. He does things in different ways. But I connect and I feel. I don't always feel that. Sometimes I don't. Because I think if I felt it always, then I wouldn't have to trust that he's always with me. Even when I don't feel it. Yeah? So he's training me. He's teaching me. Those early disciples, Jesus breathed on them and they felt peace. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Often the first thing you feel is just a sense of peace come into your life. How do you describe what that feels like? I don't know. You're better at that than me. Could be fire. Could be wind. These are all examples in scripture. I love, I love the fact that God speaks words over us you're my beloved son open the bible and read it it is full of love from heaven pouring out towards you write down the good bits learn them put them on your mirror yeah because he loves you and he wants you to hear that one of the things that helps me is journaling (coughs) i'm quite an introvert and it helps me to order my thoughts and to write them down and I, on my journals, I'll put a little L on the side. And that's to remind me to shut up and listen. Yeah? And I'll just stop and I'll say, what are you saying? And I'll just allow the thoughts, because I'm talking to him, I just trust he'll speak back to me. And I write down what I feel like he's saying back to me. And then I look back over it and think, does that sound like God? Does that fit with the Bible? Do you know what? Most of the time it does. Okay, sometimes here and there I might have a nice thought from myself about myself. The devil doesn't get in there. He's not that clever. (coughs) But it's good. It helps me. What is it for you? Is it knowing that you can sit and he will always wait for you? He's never going to run out of time. He's always going to be there. Do you remember Mary and Martha? He said, Mary, you've chosen what's better. Martha's busy running around all over the place. She just wanted to sit and be. He'll be as long as you can be. You can't out-be him, okay? If you're a quality time person, go for it. He serves you and he loves you. Just like he washed his disciples' feet, he wants to wash you. He wants his goodness and his life to come into you. Where there's situations and circumstances that have affected you and weighed you down, he wants you to literally breathe them out and give them away. He wants them to be washed off you. He wants them to be absorbed into the cross. And he wants his life to flow into you. His presence, his peace, his joy, his healing, his forgiveness, all of these things. It might be that You find it helpful to go out into nature and just stand there. Do you know what? Right now, he's sustaining you. He's giving you your next breath. He's holding you together. If he wasn't doing that, you'd just be like, poof. But because he loves you, he's holding you right now. Just as you. When he heals us and when he restores us as we live, if you scrape your elbow, it heals. Why? Because God he's good like that. He provides for us. He blesses us in so many ways. Open your eyes to see what that looks like. Never forget that he gave his only son. He who did not spare his only son but gave him up for us. How will he not also along with him freely give us all things? Oh My gosh. He gave Jesus. He's not holding back. He doesn't always give us what we want immediately. I don't know if you've noticed that. We just pop up that PowerPoint, Rach. Um, See, here's the thing. As human beings, we have inside of us deep desires. We're longing to deeply connect. And that's a good thing. It's given to us by God. But most of us have learned how to be orphans most of us have learned that the world will give us some of these things if we work hard enough and so what we need to do is come to this place where actually rather than seeking after all of these things in the earth we begin to find him being the answer for us let me give you an example Are we doing okay We managed to find that it's all right okay um, these are just examples of desires that are going to come up in a minute. But I just want to give you a few of them now. So security. We d- who desires security? feels good to be secure. Some people say, well, I, I need money. Bec- well the, what you're really after there is not the money. It's the security that comes from the money. Yeah? You get that? Well, what if God gave you security instead of money? Yeah? Or comfort. Instead of you feeling like, I've got to comfort myself by being, we're being stretched right now, Amwin and myself, because we're in this season where we're kind of like, we're trying to step out for God, but it's the visas coming slower than we thought it would. But honestly, in the midst of that wait, what he's doing in us is saying, where's your security? Does it matter, like, whether you have got a flow of finance coming to you from a job, or am I your provider? Where's your comfort? Where's your peace when all of these things are up in the air? See, he does these things to expose sometimes what's in us, to take us deeper and to say, I want to connect deeply with you. Where is our security? Where is our comfort? Where is our sense of belonging? What about approval? In my job, This just happens to me. I'm sure it happens to you too. um, There are things that you stand for that people don't like. Uh, If my approval was in the fact that I need to be liked all the time, it wouldn't be good. I would not live in much peace. Where is my sense of approval coming from? Am I running around trying to please absolutely everyone? Or am I coming to the place where, Father, you're the one. That I want to please. You're the one that my heart is here for. You're the one. Not. Have I pleased that person. Or that person. Or that person. Or that person. But have I pleased you. And the thing is. He knows. I need approval. It's a good desire to need approval. But where do I get it from? Is it from performing and being the best and being liked and all that kind of stuff? Or is it because he gives it to me because I'm his beloved and he delights to give me good things? (coughs) Hold on, guys. You're winning. What about significance? Why are you doing the things that you want to do? Sometimes there's that little desire deep within us. Do you know what? I want my life to count for something. It's a good thing. But how we get there and what we do to get there is really important. Because we can work really hard. You know, some of the most successful people in the world are actually orphans. And how did they get to be at the top? They had no one to rely on but themselves. But you know what? Their massive empires count nothing for all eternity. There's one thing that counts, and that's being deeply intimate with God. Where are we getting? So this is, these are different desires. Have a look around the wheel. What is the deep thing that you need? What's the deep desire? Is it belonging or comfort or security or peace? Is it that sense that you're going to be someone who's come through, that you prove goodness, that you're recognized, that you're approved of, that you bring a sense of justice into situations, that there's a challenge that you have overcome and won in, that you have a place of significance, that you have a real sense of freedom in life, that you know you are really worth something, that you are deeply known, that you're full of joy, or that you're full of love. These are desires that are good desires. Are you having those desires met in him? Desire fulfilled is a tree of life, says the Proverbs. It's good to have these desires fulfilled, but are we getting it from God? So, very practically, if you need a sense of significance, why don't you begin by saying to Jesus at the start of the day, Hey, Jesus, how are you giving me, how do you want to give me significance today? Review your day at the end of the day. Jesus, how, how have you shown me today that you approve of me? how have you shown me today, Jesus, that you are my security? And begin to ask him questions like that. What do you love doing in life? Go and do that with Jesus. Hang out with him. Invite him into those things. And when things are really hard, when, because sometimes life is really hard, in the midst of that, You have one who has walked through the deepest valley, the deepest pit, gone through death itself and out the other side because he loves you and will lead the way as your shepherd. So when you are in suffering, turn to him and say, Jesus, what was it like for you? What was it like for you when they wanted to chuck you off the cliff? What was it like for you when they rejected you? What was it like for you when they beat you? What was it like for you when they slammed the nails in your hand? What was it like for you? What was it like for you, Jesus, when you got rejected by the guy you'd walked with all of that time? Because you're looking into him, into me, see. This is what we're built for. This is what we're about. And I'm going to hand over to Jess. Jess. Because we're going to come to a meal that was set up by Jesus. It doesn't belong to King Center or any other church. It belongs to Jesus. And he, in this meal, offers himself to us and his life to us. And I want to encourage you. What is it that you need? What is your deep desire? Come and meet with him and ask him to meet with you. Thank <laughs> you.